Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am playing Scarlet Citadel, the hardcover campaign adventure made by Kobold Press. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to get access to an exclusive Discord channel, the monthly Q&A, the City of Arches sourcebook, a bunch of exclusive adventures, and you want to help me put on shows like this, you can do so by becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. Links to become a patron are in the show notes below. Last week, we began... So I've, I've talked in the past about my difficulty running this campaign because of the style that it has it this is a definitely written as sort of an old school i would i would probably say an antagonist dungeon master sort of adventure that the players really need to work hard to not you know the the players need to work really hard to manage to survive this adventure it is it is an adventure full of downward beats and many areas where it specifically describes that the DM needs to turn the screws on the characters. And that is not my style at all. There are DMs who enjoy a game like that. There are players who enjoy a game like that. I'm, that's not my style. I'm in here to watch the characters do awesome things. I'm here to watch a story evolve. I want to be on their side. I recognize that the players are not their characters and that the players, it's, it's very easy to lose things in communication. So I definitely lean more towards the, you know, work with the players to navigate the scenes, not stick, stick it to them. And I think this last section, I talked about this when I was preparing my session last time, where they began. Let's we can we can pop up our Albert Rodeo map. So I have my Albert Rodeo map. They began in this room down here, which let's see, go to that that chapter. This is chapter three, the Dwarven Barracks. This is they they kind of went down the big the big hole here, and they start up here. And this whole level, they, they describe this place. While running this level, keep in mind, it isn't meant to play out like a standard dungeon crawl with explorers moving quietly from slaughtering everything they meet. The inhabitants here don't sit in one place waiting to be found. They move around constantly in the process. And they, they talk about, let's see, the characters need to tackle these trolls in a series of, of for, forays punctuated by periods of rest. This level is designed to become a running game of cat and mouse with the characters falling back to what they think is a safe area. The troll can seeking them out and the characters falling back again. In this fight, the character should never be allowed to rest and recover near the citadel, right? As long as they remain in the neighborhood, they can only grow weaker while the troll can pursue is continue to replenish their, their thoughts. That's actually not the, 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 the roughest one, but it, 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 throughout this chapter, it says, like, do not let up on the characters. Do not, you know, you know, right. As the battle unfolds, you're responsible for commanding the troll can. You must lead them smartly. One way to deal with it is to decide how the troll can arrange. Well, that's not really, that's not really a good example. But throughout this adventure, throughout this chapter in particular, they talk about this fact. And I'm, so I had already, I'm, I'm all about beats as well, upward beats and downward beats. And they just had a downward beat of trying to rest. And it was, you know, not a great tactic of resting in the boss's room while the boss is still around. But it, and then they got attacked and they got pushed and they got, they got hit. And I, I kind of deus ex machina it by, by having them hit with a time ball, which teleported them to a different section of the dungeon, which was kind of neat. And I could have done a bunch of damage to him, but I'm like, why do that? It was already a downward beat. So I, as we recall from the last time when I did the prep, I said, I don't want to just have them immediately run into a bunch of trollkin 
and now they've got to battle through Trollkin to get out. I really want them to find, like, I think that the adventure will be more fun. I think that they will have it, if they can get to this particular area right here and have a way out so that they have now reconnected the dungeon at a different level. They have a new entrance to the dungeon, three levels down that they can access. And it expands the dungeon out. It expands the way they can interact with the dungeon. And it gives them this chance to actually rest, which they really needed. And I still didn't exactly make it easy for them. So I had, I had instead of having like a bunch of Trollkin being a pain in the ass, I had one Trollkin come in who is, who is walking his newborn Lich Hound. And the characters, you know, kind of hid and they sort of talked with it. And, and the, 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 the Gear Forged character is the one who ended up talking to him. And the Trollkin, who was very you know, like, who are you and what you're doing down here? thought, oh, you're one of the robot things from upstairs that must have fallen down this pit. We've had other ones that fell. And he pointed to like other constructs that had fallen down the pit and, and broken apart. And he's like, I guess you managed to survive. And he's like, yeah, I just want to get back to my friends. And he's like, you know, oh, well, yeah, if you work for Kagoth Z, it probably behooves us to help you get back up there. And so he, the, the Trollkin ended up telling them, hey, don't go through this central hall in, in, in this area because you're, you know, you're going to get shot with arrows. And all my friends, by the way, they're in the other rooms next door. So it's just you and I. And he's looking around. And he's like, I'll give you a secret way out, but don't tell anybody because I'm really not supposed to tell anybody. And he opened up this door to the armory, which is barred from the other side, and then showed him the stairs and said, those are the, you know, that's the, that's the way upstairs. And then, and then he left and then the characters had this option. So they didn't have to, I don't think they fought anything in the last session, but they were beaten pretty hard. And they made their way up this huge staircase and got up top where they found a dwarven tomb of Valund, the, the dwarven forge god. And it's very old. Nobody knew it was there. It's long, long, like ivy and everything. Hundreds of years of ivy and everything covering it. So it's this old ruined crypt. And, and the staircase went up through a, through a sarcophagus in one of the crypts. So they, it was like a secret staircase that the dwarves would use to get it up and down to this area, which I thought that works really well. And then they found that there was a huge construct up there that the dwarves had left to protect this entrance, this massive, I think it's called a necrophage or something like that. We'll look it up. And, and they're like, oh my God. And then they're like, well, maybe we, they, they were about to head back down again. Like, well, we can't go that way because that thing's up there. And I was like, oh my God, I can't get you guys to leave the dungeon. Right? My God. And I was like, you can sneak away from it. And they're like, okay. So they snuck away from the necrophage thing and then went back to Red Large or that's a red large too, a red tower. So they went back to red tower and they, the, the pain in the ass farmer who was always like, you're all going to die down there. He's like, Hey, how's it going? I only see four of you. You guys doing all right? And they're like, yeah. And they give him the finger and they went back into town. They, did they have any kind of downtimey sort of things? I think they, they, they certainly rested. And then they went back down to the temple of the weird weaver and they found that their their friend the npc that's down there i forget his name oh there was a big uh, going on lots of people were selling buying and selling stuff timon was the is the person that's down in the the temple of the weird weaver and they met zula the witch zula sold them some stuff secret spoilers zula is in connection with the four with the four rulers of her, the four rulers of, of the Scarlet Citadel. So she's feeding information to them and she keeps selling them like magic items so that she can track them and stuff, which is kind of fun. So they bought some stuff they, and they, they went down and they met Tymon and Tymon is down there and Tymon has been like obsessing about the, the artifact that's down there, this, this monument to the weird weaver. And, and, you know, he hasn't been eating and he hasn't, he's been, you know, his eyes, you know, one eye is still like hollowed, you know, and his cheeks are hollowed and he's kind of looking at this thing and he says, the this 
things are getting worse, not better. Right, like the 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 stretches of the ley lines are getting bent and twisted, and they have to be fixed, or this whole land is going to be tearing itself apart. Uh, so that is where it ended. Was like, hey, there's this big risk, and and that's where we're going to start a session. So we are going to generate a new session planning template, and today is 22 January 2023, and we have a few players who are out. So Joe, Jerry, and Jay are in. Sharon and Juliet are out. So it's a question of Pat. Is Pat going to be here today or not? So I think I look, it looks like I have four. So Sharon and Juliet are both out. Okay. So we can take a look at our characters. Let's take a look at the characters today. So we have, we're going to have up to four characters, three to four characters. We have Bart played by Jay. He is a Gearforged diplomat. Always kind of the one to, 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 to talk with folks. Always the one to kind of talk to folks. And I, what is Bart really seeking? It's a good question. Like, what is, I, I, I've, the, character, the player had been out for a while, but one of the questions I have <clears throat> is what is, this is like a question. I'm going to stick it under secrets and clues. What does Bart seek in the Scarlet Citadel? Not sure. I got to learn more about what Bart's relationship is with this whole thing. Joe Dorn Greycastle is a fighter sorcerer, former adventurer, Shade, who has been his spirit has been pulled from another world and he's in a body of a body of somebody who died here in this world and is I don't know if he's exactly looking for a way back but he's certainly drawn to like the 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 dust lands and he's drawn to kind of restoring himself and I think that that could be I think you'll find it down here in the Scarlet Citadel Garble played by Pat is a mushroom folk rogue far traveler who's looking for a nice place for his colony to sort of live in peace and harmony with the world around it, looking for a nice damp place below. There's definitely locations there. Mez is not going to be there. Sister Malarkey Jones, played by Jerry, a tiefling warlock cleric noble, who is a follower of the Weird Weaver and believes that like, you know, randomness can is what, you know, randomness is the direction that we should be going and has has jumped on board with that. And then we have Skrink Skivers, played by Juliet, who is also not here as well, the rat folk, rat folk wizard occultist. So the strong start, I think showing, having a, a quake earthquake that the, the the pulling of the ley lines is having an effect on the region and outside what would be an interesting there might be like almost like you know contrails like clouds outside clouds of different colors show twisted beams of the ley lines and like birds are flying in weird patterns so the ley lines are getting pulled out of whack and causing the lands to rebel. So that's also kind of a secret and clue, right? That the agents, or the, yeah, what are we calling them? Agents of the Scarlet Citadel? The four? Four agents of the Scarlet Citadel were pulling energy out of twisted ley lines for years, which has put tremendous stress in the whole region. As each node, I guess it's, we'll call them anchor, as each anchor of the of the Scarlet Citadel is removed or broken, the ley lines stressed, the ley lines twist in new directions. Only in removing all four anchors can the ley lines repair themselves and settle into their original position and putting the land to rest. The Arcane Forge the Alchemist's Forge was one such anchor. Kagoth Z's, K 
Kagoth Z's time machine is another. Two more, two more anchors exist below in, Scar in the Scarlet Citadel. So I think these two other anchors are, well, so the, the one is the big, you know, right at the end. Let's see if I can find it here. The Void of Annihilation, the Sphere of Annihilation that's down here. That's certainly the biggest anchor. And that's going to be sort of the final, the final battle. And then there's also this undead thing. Is I don't know if that's it. There, I thought there is some kind of undead horror that had been called up, and that's what's leaving the. I think I think the other one is this undead creature whose presence in this world has torn open the rift to the Dustlands. That thing looks pretty good. Ooh, a Shugoth. Cool. Some cool. Get your little bit of Lovecraft in here. So if I recall, there was a, I thought there was like a, 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 is that it? The chained thing. This looks right. Yeah. A twisted horror that was pulled in from the Dustlands. And it itself is another anchor. Two more anchors exist in the Scarred Citadel. I'm going to put in parentheses, the chained thing. And that's on page what? Kind of 143. And the void, the sphere of annihilation at the bottom. The Void of Annihilation, and that's on page 168. So in order for them to repair, this gives them a nice, clean, clear view of what their job is in Scarlet Citadel. They need to break the four anchors that are twisting the ley lines all out of position, causing all kinds of problems. It could theoretically destroy the land. And unfortunately, the more of the anchors that they break, the faster the, cat the catastrophe occurs until they manage to break all of them. So I think that that is, that, that kind of cleans it up. So is, what, other, what other secrets do we, do we have here? Three of the agents of the Scarlet Citadel remain. And that's Kagoth Z, Gellert, or Immorta, and Gellert. I don't know if this is in the book, but I can do it. That Immorta is responsible for summoning the chained thing. Immorta also acts as Gellert's liaison to the rest of the population of the Scarlet Citadel. Immorta, Immorta and Gellert are feared by most every intelligent creature in the Citadel. Any other secrets that I need for today? We know that, so, you know, it's been a little bit. So the idea is that Kagoth wears a ring able to disable the anchor in case in encased in the time machine because an interesting thing is like so where the, let's see one two three four five one two three four five. look at that ten secrets that's good although one of those is sort of a query so the scenes are earthquake in the temple of the weird weaver i think the icosahedron stops and then there's a big earthquake let's put this in the strong start so the idea is down in the temple, the temple is like this big ancient chamber. It was built by elves many hundreds of years ago. They built it underneath the temple of Kors to hide it. And in there is the first one of the anchors that the characters recovered from Scarlet Citadel that they had thrown back in time and the elves had stored it here hundreds of years earlier. And it's this, it's a big D20, as, as you imagine. It's spinning in all sorts of different directions Right, and then all of a sudden, they're, as they're watching, it just stops, and everyone's like, "What?" And then, and the whole earthquakes and cracks form in the walls, and right, and everything is stressed, and everybody's kind of grabbing onto stuff. We'll make saving throws for who falls down, 
and then and then, and then it'll stop and the and then the, the thing will weave and then boom it'll start moving again and it's because like the 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 as the ley lines are getting twisted out they're kind of they're like rubber bands right there's these huge rubber bands and they're snapping and getting tugged and pulled and snapping in place and as they snap back in place it causes geographic issues so i think that that would be kind of a fun strong start so we have the earthquake in the temple of the weird weaver we have any remaining downtime or purchases in red tower I have to say, I have now, I've run two D&D games this week. I ran my Empire of the Ghouls game on Wednesday, and I ran a Light of Xeraxis game last night, and both of them had downtime scenes, and I am tired of running downtime scenes. <laughs> they're, they're not my favorite. Like, I think they're doing okay. I think they're doing okay, but, like, I don't know. I find downtime scenes to be kind of tiring, and, I, and boy, running them, they're, they're needed. You kind of need some downtime. You need scenes where the characters can kind of go around town and sort of take care of stuff, but... They also go on a long time and everyone's bored except whoever's talking. It's they're they're there can be they can be pretty tough. And the idea that I've now run three games, so I'm probably gonna move this along. And then their their questions are so where do they want to go? The courses of action. They can return to the dwarven cemetery, the dwarven crypt, to go back to level three and deal with the Trollkin. They can return to the upper areas return to the upper ruins make their way back down to level two they know they have three different ones so they could ignore i mean it's really one of those are they going to deal with kagoth z or ignore him for the time being are they delving further down or heading back up now if they decide to go back on level one one of the things that's going to have happened is that the Dustlands connection. So we have this map here and the whole southern, the, the whole the whole lower part of this map is Dustland, is the connection to the Dustlands. 117, room 117 there is the Dustlands thing. And I think the, 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 the boundaries that, uh, the boundaries that kind of block the undead from wandering through here, I think has gone weak. And I think when they go down, this is probably a secret and clue, I guess. Undead have begun to take over the first level of the Scarlet Citadel. And weird mutated oozes have begun to take over the second level. An NPC that they might meet, because she's still hanging around this place, is Ushlux. They haven't met Ushlux in a while. I think it would be fun to meet Ushlux. And Ushalux is probably where now has made camp outside the ruins of Scarlet Citadel. Has she, maybe she has a, she might've summoned, she might've summoned or created something. Are there bone golems? I don't know. Because she's a worshiper of Karen. So she's got like necromancer sort of things. So I think that would be cool. And what's her thoughts? So she's kind of, you know, she probably knows that like level one and two are starting to get taken over and she's thinking about creating, you know, basically fighting undead, using them, tw turning them to her, to her side and then making her way through the Citadel to try to get where she wants to go. But what does she want to do? She wants to study Karen and she's interested in the fact that she believes she's particularly interested in the connection between the Scarlet Citadel and the river sticks and recognizes the connection 
to the drylands is dangerous and needs to be broken. She believes it's connected to one of the anchors, which needs to be destroyed. So that's cool. That's kind of her. That's the thing she wants. That, that she wants. So that's cool. Got our big pile of secrets and clues. So I have to think about what direction they're going to go. And then I think we'll just go with it. Like, well, you know, whatever direction they want to head, do they want to go in from the first layer? Do we want to go from the third layer? Do they want to go through the ruins? I think I'll just play that part of it by ear. So I've got something kind of fun. Here's a, here's a little eyes that we're going to talk about on today's show. I've been working on something. I've been working on a new thing which I'm kind of referring to now as the, the artisanal monster database. The artisanal monster database is, you can actually get it in the Notion template right away, but it's something I'm still working on, so it's a little hinky, and I can't give it a full guarantee, which is I'll talk about it on the show today, and we'll play with it on the show today, but I'm still toying with it. So what the hell am I talking about? Thomas Brook a patron of Sly Flourish hit me up on the Sly Flourish Discord server and said, hey, I've been playing around with creating a combat tracker in Notion. And he and I hopped into a little video chat and he showed it to me. And I was like, this thing is really cool. This combat, he built basically a, a combat tracker similar to the one that's in D&D Beyond that, that you can use to track initiative and conditions and hit points and other things in Notion for combat. And I was like, you know, that's a really, I never thought about that. Like I use a little text thing, but that's really cool. And so I toyed around with it when I wasn't obsessing about OGL nonsense. I was toying around with it and ended up thinking like, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just having a place where you could track monsters, you have to type them in yourself. Couldn't we build a database of monsters that you could query from to add a monster to the the combat tracker and then i I was thinking about okay what sources do we have well thanks to nicole vanderhoven who's here in chat nicole are you here on the discord on the on the twitch chat nicole has a great big csv file full of monsters from different sources including all four kobold press monster books tome of beast one two and three and the creature codex and I did a little bit of work. Hey, Nicole is here. Nicole, so Nicole's got this really awesome, this really awesome spreadsheet. Nicole, do you want to link to your, to the spreadsheet in the Twitch chat? And I'll link to all this in the show notes below. You'll find all this in the show notes below. And I took that one and then I did a little bit of work myself, a little bit of, little bit of fancy, fancy stuff. And I added in all of the monsters from the Level Up 5e Monstrous Menagerie, which is made by N-World Publishing and and is all there and all of these monsters all the monsters all the stat blocks are available under the ogl 108 i don't want to get started with the issues there but all we know is the ogl 108 works now and i built it now so i'm good and it doesn't contain the full monster stat blocks that's something i don't want to do i'm not going to have the database contain a full monster stat blocks but i am going to have it have enough information that you could track monsters in combat and so let's let's take a look so so we're going to go here i'm actually going to add I have to duplicate this because I got to add it to my Scarlet Citadel game. So we're going to duplicate this. That's going to take a second. And we're going to duplicate this. I should probably go in here and take a look. So this is the gen- the the general. There we go. So I have a creature database that I duplicated and now we're going to move this. Whoops. Move to move to Scarlet Citadel. And then we'll take this other one and we will move to move to Scarlet Citadel. Bang. Okay. 
So this isn't a template. This is in the Sly Flourish lazy campaign template for Notion. It's already built into there, but I have to copy it because I didn't start with it in the Scarlet Citadel one. I have to add it to the Scarlet Citadel one, which has an added complication. So we have the creature database. We're going to stick that. We'll do right there. And the combat tracker will stick right there. We're going to put these old session notes away. I'm, I haven't been cleaning up my, my little world here in a while, apparently. Stick those there. Okay. Now the combat tracker is not going to work quite right. And we're going to now, we're going to rename this to Scarlet Citadel Creatures. And we're going to name, let's see, I've got a, I always forget how to do this. Show database title. And we're going to say Scarlet Citadel. We want to name it Scarlet Citadel Creature Database. So when we reference it, we know exactly which, because I've got 12 different campaigns. I want to make sure that I'm able to pick, pick the right one. We can delete this. Don't need all the boilerplate. Oops. Whoa. I deleted the database itself. Okay. So we have our database here. So here's the interesting thing. This database has all of the creatures from the Monstrous Menagerie and Tome of Beasts. And I think if we do Gollum, for example, there is a Bone Gollum right here. Right? Now, so what I'm going to do is I'm you, you have an encounter. We'll just open up the Bone Gollum. We have an encounter. And Lux is our encounter. Right? And that's the encounter with Ushalux. Now, Ushalux is a necromancer, I've decided. So you go to necromancer. There are two different necromancers. There's one in the Monstrous Menagerie, and there's one in the Creature Codex. We're going to go with the Monstrous Menagerie one. So I'm going to duplicate this one, and we're going to call it Ushalux. It's going to disappear, because now we don't have Ushalux in the search. So we've now created an Ushalux record here, and we open that one up, and we're going to add Ushalux to the Ushalux encounter. We have these other, th these are the default encounters. We're going to remove these because these aren't. So now we have Ushlux, right? So now we're going to go to our combat tracker. We'll call it Scarlet Citadel Combat Tracker. Again, you want to give it a name of the campaign. And that way, when you're searching for it, if you reference it, you can say Scarlet Citadel Combat Tracker. And it goes to that one instead of the combat tracker that you have somewhere else. We get rid of this. Now, the only problem is because the database actually is a different database because I copied it, I have to kind of redo this. So we are going to delete this one. We're going to delete this one. Delete this. And we're going to create... No, you don't have to do this if you copy over the entire template. I have to do it because I'm adding it to an existing template. And we're going to do a table view from a database. And we do Scarlet... Oh, see, it's, it's got it. Scarlet creature... Scarlet database now for this this view what we do is we say filter we're going to filter by the encounter and we only want to see those that are associated with ushlux and now it's showing us our ushlux and our bone golem we don't need to see the cr we do want the name we don't need the type in this view we don't need the source in this view we don't need the page we don't need the url We'll keep that. We do want to see AC, max hit points, initiative, condition, damage, current hit points, initiative roll, and there. So now they have not done an initiative roll yet, but we know what their initiative bonus is. Now I, I use static initiative. So in this case, I'm not going to bother to roll. I'm just going to give them the base, right? And then I can hide this column. I don't need any more. And then I've got the name of the monster, the eight, their armor, how the armor class of a bone golem is zero. I must not have anything in it. Yeah, I don't think the bone golem is in there. How much damage they've taken, the current hit points, 
maximum hit points. Now, position is kind of fun, and then it's got conditions. So if like if it's stunned, you can go, oh, it's stunned, right? And now and now you know that that creature is stunned. So it tracks that. And then we have the encounter, which we probably don't need. And so we can probably hide that. Now, the cool bit is for position, you could have like ruined pillars and you could have campfire, green, let's see, violet campfire. And what you've, that didn't work. And now you've got positions that the characters can say, I want to go there too. Now, one thing we need to do is we need to create, oh, let's hit save for everyone. Oh, and we sort by initiative you you shouldn't have to do this if you copy i know this is all like a lot of complicated stuff you shouldn't have to do this if you've copied over the whole thing from the template you only have to do it because i am adding it to an existing campaign already which means you have to redo the combat tracker to tie to the database that you just added to this one i think that's a little complicated i need to add the characters to this let's go back here let's go to the characters just so i have them handy we have bart dorn garble and malarkey Right, so we're gonna add a new character, Bart. Type is character, and that's all we need, really. We can create a new one, Dorn. Type character. We create another new one. Where where my where the new thing go? Malarkey and Garble. And now we've got the characters all have slots in there. When they roll initiative, we can add their initiative. We can just type their initiative in here. This will sort automatically by initiative. You can ask them for their armor class. I don't think I'm going to bother tracking hit points for characters because it's too much for me to keep the bookkeeping and they're already doing it. But then you also have positioning and condition available. So essentially you can use this for initiative. Then the cool bit is you can screenshot this and throw it into Discord and show them what the initiative is. They can see what the initiative is just by screenshotting it. And you can actually move position. I'm going to move position over here. So you can show them if you're doing a theater of the mind battle, if you're not doing one with a battle map and miniatures, you can see who's near who or who's in which zone, right? So for this one, for example, we might have ruined pillars, which are near you know which is like 25 feet away from the violet campfire and then we might have like a what like a gnarled tree right or gnarled tree archway is another zone and that's sort of how they got here so you could say all the characters are at the gnarled tree archway when the when the battle begins right and that way in the same thing that's handling initiative and conditions and damage, you're also tracking where they are positionally. So in this one single view, I can do theater of the mind combat with both positioning, location. I can share it with my players. I've got their armor class for the monsters so I can keep track of that. So then here's, here's the cool bits. Okay, so we have Ushalux. Ushalux, here's, here's the, the fun thing, right? So we open up Ushalux and Ushalux is a Monstrous Menagerie monster. Now, I put in all of the links for all the Monstrous Menagerie monsters to go to A5E tools, which means it has the full stat block ready, which is cool. And, and, and you could just click that. But I also, I, I like to use the screenshot from the book itself. So I'm going to pull up my Monstrous Menagerie book. You can't see this. It's not showing up in the window. And I'm going to pull up the Necromancer stat block. And so the Necromancer stat block basically uses the Mage stat block. Um, actually, that's fine. So we will just grab the Mage stat block. Oh, I can't see. My coffee's in the way. So I created a screenshot. And I'm going to paste the screenshot right in the record. And now in the game, it, it, it doesn't look great in this window because my window's a little bit 
close. But when I'm running the game, I can just have this up. I can click open and I can go right down and view view the stat block. Like I said, it doesn't look great here, but it, it'll look better when I have a bigger window. And that gives me the stat block, which I just copied and pasted right out of the PDF and threw into my threw into my book here. We can do the same thing. So the bone golem, let's see here, open up the bone golem, is from the creature codex page 195. Thank you to Nicole Vanderhoven for putting the page numbers of these sources in there. So we, we pull up the creature codex, go to page 195. Give me a second. Do, do, do. 195. Oh, come on. I'm having trouble navigating my little PDF here. And we have our bone golem. Oh, look, it's even got a picture. I've screenshot it from the creature codex PDF. I go into my bone golem. I hit paste. And I've got my Bone Golem stat block right in Notion, which means now I've got the full stat block. I've got the full stat block of all of the monsters. I can just open it. I can go down to it. Again, I'll have a full screen, not in a little window, which means I can actually read it and I can run the monster from there. So I've got the monster stat block. I've got their position. I've got their base stuff. If I want to, so like the Bone Golem, I can fill in this other, this other info here. Let's, let's blow this up so I can actually read it. So it's AC 16 and 60 hit points. So I can go right here and type in 16, and max hit points is 60. Now, in combat, here's the fun bit. When I'm actually running combat, and then they do damage, let's say they do 12 damage, I type in 12, and it automatically updates the current hit points. If they do another, if they do another 10, you can see the hit points are changing, right? That's really great. One trick is that with the bone golem, for example, what if there are multiple bone golems? Well, then you just duplicate it, right? And you go, boop. Well, let's say she's got three of them that she's created. What, what, what's the CR of a bone golem? I'm going to expand that out a little bit here. CR seven. So she probably only has a couple. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll give her two bone golems. And during the game, you can rename them. So you can go in here. Now, one trick is you probably, like one, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to duplicate this again. I forgot to do this. I'm going to open that up and I'm going to remove this one from the encounter. And that way the original bone golem is still in the database. I can screw with these records all I want and not hurt the database. But you probably want to duplicate the ones that you're going to add to the combat tracker. That way you can change their names. So we could have like Mohawk, you know, Mohawk bone, bone golem and Glyft, right? So now we've identified them with kind of in-world names you know, little features that kind of designate what makes one different than the other. So pretty handy. What, what's interesting is, you know, comparing it to like the encounter builder inside D&D Beyond, A, you'll, you'll notice, and this is my little bit of rebellion, right? My little, my little bit of petty, petty, petty rebellion is where I'm at right now. And my petty rebellion is, you'll notice there are no monster manual monsters in here. It is all from third-party sources, hence the artisanal creature database, right? The artisanal creature database means all of these are from independent third-party publishers. And yet, because advanced, Level Up Advanced 5e's Monstrous Menagerie has many of the same monsters that are in the, that are pretty much all the same monsters that are in the monster manual, if you ever have a monster manual monster that you want to use, you can just use the Level Up 5e monster version instead. And it's a different stat block and it's a little bit, it's a little bit up. But what it means is that the entire database is all third-party monsters. It, you're not, you don't have to use anything from, uh, uh, from Wizards of the Coast. So that's my little rebellion. And so the other thing is, you know, a question I was talking with my wife about it. And it's like, is any part of this 
you know, bad. Well, all of these monsters that I'm using in here are already released under OGL 10A. So Cobalt Press releases their monsters under OGL 10A, and the Monsters Menagerie monsters from Level Up 5e are also under OGL 10A. So all the data is 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 free under the OGL 10A to use. And also, I am not copying the entire monster stat block. I'm only copying a little bit of the data, enough to be able to run it in combat. And the intention is, if you're using this, that you own the sources and that you would use the stat blocks from the full sources to do them. So I, I, I'd certainly want people to be able to use these monsters. I, I, I certainly, the people who are going to use the database, I would recommend buying the books to back them up. Now, if you're using this database and you don't have a source, you can delete that one. You'll probably have to export it and do some work. It's a little tricky. And that's why I said like, this is, you know, I'm just started working on this a, a few days ago. But as you can see, it's kind of a it's kind of a neat it's kind of a neat little thing, and I can I can I can set up an interesting thing is because each record can you can have different encounters, you can you can actually create a different you know, multiple encounters and build them all up and set them in this page, and have different encounters for different parts of the game. So if I'm going to have like a trollkin encounter, so we can do one right now. Yeah, so the feeling is all these monsters, I think we're doubly protected, not protected, but we're doing the right thing. It's not about like legal protection. It's like are we hurting anybody? And the answer is no, you should go buy the books and you can't really use this without owning the book somewhere. Now, like in level up 5e circumstance, they're also giving their monster stat box away on A5e tools. They're doing that directly. Cobalt Press, I think doesn't, there are a couple of third party places where the open gaming license licensed monsters are available. I think like there's like kpogl.wiki or something like that. And I'm not looking into that one either because it's not directly owned by Cobalt Press. And so the only stats that are in here are armor class, hit points, initiative, challenge rating, and a few other things. But they're basically the things you need to index a monster. You still have to go get the stat block if you're actually going to run it. So that's that's important to me. So we'll have a Trollkin encounter. That's another one. And we will, we'll just duplicate this. And we will drag it down here. And for this one, we're going to make a new encounter called Trollkin. And you can see that the characters can be can belong to multiple encounters. So if you know that you're going to have an encounter, you can set it up ahead of time. If you don't, it actually doesn't take a lot of work to create one. I accidentally created another one. And then we'll go to... So this one, we, we're going to change the filter. And instead of Ushalux, it's Trollkin. And let me save that one. So now we have a new encounter with a new, with a new setup. And we're going to go to the Scarlet Citadel. And we're going to go to our Scarlet Citadel creatures. And we're going to sort for Trollkin. And we're going to put... So let's see, Reavers are CR4. So we'll do, we're going to duplicate a Raider. I'm just going to put a C next to it for combat or E for an encounter. We'll do a Reaver. Oops. We'll do a Shaman. And then we like our Lich Hounds. Duplicate that. And of course, I screwed up. So we have Trollkin Encounter. Did I, dupli I didn't duplicate the, the Shaman. So you have like the record you don't want to screw with and then the one that you're going to put into an encounter. And the Raider, we will put into the Trollkin Encounter. The Reaver, we will put into the Trollkin Encounter. And the Shaman, we will put into the Trollkin Encounter. Right? And then we close that. And we go to our Encounter list, a Combat Tracker. And we can see that we have Lich Hounds. Let's see, we're gonna... One thing I wish I had done, if I go back and I fix it, I'm gonna put the Static Initiative I'm going to have static initiative already filled out in a one column. I, I, I had done that originally and then forgot. And now you can't really auto populate it easily because I would, I would just fill it with static initiative in the meantime. So if I, if I end up having to go back to the database and updating it, I will do that. I'll, I'll, I'll do that automatically. 
because you have to kind of do this thing and, and that, that's not really necessary. So in this case, and then we could say, okay, like how many raiders? And we could say like, well, there's probably six raiders, maybe four raiders, and then a couple of reavers and a couple of lich hounds. It's a big encounter and we probably don't use all of these, but that way we've got them on hand. We can, we can sort of, you know, minimize this. Wow. Those lich hounds have 119 hit points. Ooh, boy. And then do the same thing we did before. Copy and paste the stat block and move it in and it all works out. So that's this new encounter builder. I'm, I'm still trying it out. I'm still, I'm still working on it, but I think it's pretty cool. And yeah, I really, I, I, I really dig it. And Thomas Brook was the one who gave me the original idea. Nicole Vanderhoven has the database of the database of stuff. And, and yeah, I put a, I put together the rest of it. So it's pretty cool. Are you using anything to differentiate between the monsters? So yes, I would rename them. So during battle or either before or during the battle, I give each one an interesting physical characteristic that you would notice in game and then rename them with those so that you can tell the difference between it. So you could have like Lich Hound with orange flame and then another one with violet flames, right? The, the, the Reavers, you could have, you know, like hairy and the other Reaver is like tattooed right? So that way you can differentiate between every one of these things and have it set up. And then you can create your position. Positions are like zone. You need to be these zones or they could be connections to other people. I've done it both ways where I only list the creatures that are near each other. So you can do, you could even like group one if you just want to have everybody grouped together. There's a lot of interesting ways to use position, but it's kind of solved a problem that I've always had, which is I really wanted to handle position and initiative in the same table. And this idea of having position as a, as a multi-select field has worked really, really well. So it's a cool, it's a cool feature. So that is this new thing I'm playing with the, you can, if you want to play with it yourself, what you can do is go to the lazy campaign template, which is linked in the show notes below. The template has a combat tracker and creature database in it already pre-populated with all this stuff. Again, doesn't have the full stat blocks, but has enough of the stats. It has what you've seen. And you can, you can toy around with it and see, see what you like itself. A little bit complicated. You saw a little bit of trickery and you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with it. So I think we have everything that we need. I didn't do treasure monsters. I just did in the encounters. So you saw that not going to worry about treasure right now. I always tend to blow off treasure, but I think we've got everything else. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today while I prepped my game. If you enjoyed this show, you may want to subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You get a weekly RPG-related email sent directly to your inbox. You can support me directly on Patreon, where you get access to all kinds of exclusive things, video previews, the monthly Q&A, dedicated Discord channel, City of Arches sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets, all different kinds of stuff you get for being a patron of Sly Flourish for a very low rate. That's in the show notes below. Or you can pick up any of my books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, The Lazy DM's Workbook, and The Lazy DM's Companion at the Sly Flourish book bookstore. All of those are linked in the show notes below. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.